Super Clash. It is the Super Clash podcast, episode 12. I believe it's episode 12. Yes, episode 12. I am your host, Kale. Hey, guess what? I'm Connor. Woo! How you doing, Connor? I am ready to go. I'm excited. We're talking about some cool stuff this yeah, time. Yeah, and I, we got uh, we got some coffee. We just finished listening to a really brutal breakdown from a Dana member's new album. Uh, I I like the new album so far. There are a couple songs I'm not too too crazy about, but overall I think it's pretty good. I'm more excited for the rumored Rise Against album that's coming out. Like Rise Against I'm has been that. <laughs> Rise Against has been teasing some stuff. Yeah, like hardcore teasing. I'm like, oh, just announce something already. So, yeah. But music that's for another day. So. Uh, just like the last episode, we're we're doing something a little bit different here. Since we didn't have time to play any games, we're gonna maybe wrap up talking about some games, talk about some a uh, couple hardware stuff that I have sitting here, and Connor and I are gonna have a really kind of have a fun conversation here. We're gonna talk about our dream games, games that we would want to see in our lifetime. So, and this takes some time to think about, and uh. Uh, so let's just get right into it. Connor, Connor, <laughs> I will start with you. Yeah. Uh, what would be your dream game? I think my dream game would be, it would be a co-op game where nice. you um, are playing like a Jurassic Park style game. I'm already hooked. Yeah. Um, I think it would be cool to have like a game where you're you're on an island and there are it doesn't even have to have the jurassic park franchise i don't think it, it could just be any but you're on an island it's semi-modern so it's not like weirdly like you know oh you're back in the time of dinosaurs or you're weird in this weird future planet or something no modern times you have modern stuff modern looking characters and you basically have to work together to survive on this island and get off alive um and it it would have to have a story i think would be really cool okay and some i think it could even have like crafting elements in it where you as you're going around you're picking up like med kits you're picking up supplies you're creating different things to help you survive and there could even be guns too um but but ammo would have to be super super limited so you have to be very cautious and then aware that if you fire the gun, you're probably going to attract predators. Um, but there's not a ton of predators on the island. It would be very similar to Jurassic Park where there's there's mostly herbivores and a handful of predators. So it adds a little to the suspense. You don't know where they could be. They could be anywhere, you know. Right. Um, and I think that would just be a really awesome game. And it's kind of been something that I've been been craving for a while. Something that is a co-op, um, story-driven dinosaur game uh, with, you know, a, a decent team behind it making it. I don't want it to be some little rinky-dink game that only kind of scratches the itch. I would like it to yeah. be like a big studio making something like so this. So it almost kind of has the elements of Far Cry, so like environment-wise of Far Cry, yeah. with survival elements of don't starve yeah and the teamwork of i'm just going to mention a game that we played recently uh gtfo yeah that would be pretty dope yeah uh like i I feel like there's been attempts to um excluding uh jurassic park operation genesis uh jurassic world evolution and that it's not tell telltale game telltale yeah there's a telltale that was telltale yeah Wow. Early, early Telltale. Oh, okay. That's one of their first ones. So, because it's, because that, that was when Telltale wasn't, didn't have that as good quality as they did yeah, near the end of their life. Yeah, it was an okay game, but it, was, it doesn't scratch the itch. <laughs> um, it seemed like they were trying to be, still try to be a game and not just story. But they haven't scratched that itch. Like, I remember Two Rock, but Two Rock didn't really scratch that itch either. I always said, I want a Far Cry with dinosaurs. And they kind of did that with uh, Far Cry Blood Dragon. Yeah, sort but of. But it still didn't really do anything. Yeah. So I, I really feel like th- there needs to be a dinosaur game. Like, 
Something like that, definitely. Yeah, and I think additionally, kind of what I would like to see more of, because every time I go out to Steam or to PSN or you know the, the eShop, what I'm always looking for is a game that I can play with friends that has some sort of creatures in it. It could be be undead it could be monsters it could be dinosaurs some some sort of threat that's not human shooting at you right and i want some rpg elements to it where like you get you can pick things up you can craft you can find items you're looting things um so kind of like a survival horror looter shooter would be really fun you know and it has to be co-op i think that's the fun part about it is playing with friends and that's what I've been craving. And the closest Come I can on, get dying, to it. Come on, Dying Light. Come out already. Yeah, the closest... I was going to say that. The closest I can get to that right now is the first Dying Light game, which I've played a ton of. But there's not really anything else out there that does it for me like that. Like like the Dead Islands and the Dying Light. I want more like that. Right. those games, to me, are exactly what I... They're, they're like the dopamine fix for me. I could play them for hours and hours and hours. Because you can collect things, you can craft things, you're finding new um, things to do. You, you also have this enemy that you have to kind of avoid or um, or fight off, and you're working together with friends. And if you get pinned down by some sort of creature or something, your buddies can come in and try to help you out or vice versa. Right. That's yeah. what I want. And ideally, like the perfect game would obviously be a dinosaur, but I'd even take other ones like werewolves or... Um, some sort of creatures that you know maybe I'm not even thinking of. Well, be or, creative, make make your own race. Yeah, you know, yeah. Just, just make them scary. Yeah, any sort of scary creatures, but co-op. And you know, if honestly, if any of you out there, if I'm saying this and you're thinking of a game in your head, like oh my gosh, that, that's exactly what this is. Tell me, reach out to me on Twitter at SuperClashGaming, please, because I'm always looking for that and I'm never finding anything that scratches that itch. At least. You know, not something that's like dying light quality. Yeah, and so. So, what about you, man? What What are you looking I for? I had in a this game? idea for, and my my prayers for this game was somewhat already answered, and hopefully, it becomes more better as time goes on. But do you remember the the game that you, me, and like I had the idea? David was on board. You were on board. Where it was a ghost hunting game, and granted. And Phasmophobia has has done a lot of this, and they they did it in a lot simpler ways, but in some ways too complicated. What in Phasmophobia? Yeah, I feel like that game like overcomplicates some things. Yeah, to where you are a ghost hunter in a house, and you have to uh, find proof of activity, and um, except the difference difference for for this one is. At the time, I was really into ghost hunting shows and everything. I, I've kind of fallen off of that now. I I still find it interesting but for entertainment, but I don't really believe in ghosts. Um, I just, I just find I still find the idea of ghosts interesting, and I I sometimes go into that rabbit hole of watching ghost videos on YouTube. We all do. It's fun. Yeah, <laughs> but anyway, so I thought like there are different locations that you can go, and you have your typical ghost hunting equipment like your like your e- EMF recorder, your or digital recorder, uh, a spirit box. You can set up cameras throughout the house, and uh, and you have to figure out uh, what happened in the house through ghost activity. Uh, the difference from this from phasmophobia is that the hauntings would be randomized. And now, uh, in in phasmophobia, the hauntings are dependent on the ghost. Like they they do fire off in different combinations, and different combinations uh, tells you uh, what kind of ghost it is. And each ghost will have will single out one person, or or is attracted to groups and everything. This one is just pure randomness when it comes to activity. Sometimes you'll get e- an EMF recording, sometimes you won't. Um, but the idea was it would never be a jump scare. There would never be a jump scare in it because I personally don't like jump scares. It was mostly about um, atmosphere, and the biggest scare you would get would be uh, creepy sounds that you would record, or the rarest event that would happen, full-body apparition. And 
it would probably just like uh, appear at the end of the hall when you turn a corner or walk across a hallway in your line of vision or just happen just on the corner of your eye. It would never like pop out and say boo or, or any of that shit. It was purely just atmospheric. And as you figure, figure it out, um, activity would uh, or the activity would steadily increase. So let's say you get a couple di- digital recordings and all, all of a sudden you'll hear, start hearing footsteps. And when you start hearing footsteps, you'll start hearing intelligent voices and, and just keep building it up as, as you go on. And I always, I always thought that that'd be really cool, be super scary. It just, and there are some games other than Phasmophobia that does that. PT did that as well. There were some jump scares in PT, but PT just was like, uh, that chick was watching you. Like he, she could be watching, watching you from above. You may, you would never know, and if you never looked up. Yeah, that was the idea that. It still breaks my heart that that never came to fruition. That game would have been horrifying. So, that was one of my one of my dream games. And for horror, another dream game. And I I've been trying to work on this for some time. Uh, I've been trying to do it as a board game or an RPG. Where, actually, do you have any other dream dream game ideas? I have one. Okay, I'll hand it off to you, and I'll uh think on this a little bit more go ahead one dream game that i tried to make at one point in time uh that just didn't it fell through um but if somebody ever wants to make this game would be awesome contact him let him be the creative director (laughs) i mean i would have ideas for it if anybody wanted to talk about it um but when i was growing up one of the documentaries i would say that was on tv was about ghosts it was called Spooked, the Ghost of Waverly Hills Sanatorium. I find that Waverly Hills Sanatorium fascinating. Yes, it's very, very interesting. And a lot of the, it has such a wide variety of like recorded phenomena there that it, it really appealed to me, right? Recorded phenomena. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I said that in air quotes, but continue. I'm sorry. Yeah. What I wanted to do was at some point create a game with a fully realized Waverly Hills sanatorium where you would go to different parts of the sanatorium that were similar to like what was in the documentary or you know what what people have posted online and like whatever you experienced in X part of the sanatorium would happen to you in the game it's like when you would like see somebody in a window from looking at it outside you could do that or when you were in the basement, maybe you heard like rattling carts moving around or like stuff like that. Just nothing in the game would kill you, right? Like you, you couldn't die, but it was it would be just creepy enough where you would feel on edge. And I actually wanted my wife to record some of the audio for it because she plays violin and you can do some really creepy shit with violin. Especially if you want. with the recording software and distortion and oh yeah and i wanted her to create that and then i wanted to work with a friend of mine to to map out a fully 3d version of this sanatorium and start adding in the pieces to it and it would be kind of like a there wouldn't be much of a um like there's not like a challenge to the game per se it's the game would have you go and you would have like a a camera and you would record the events in each of the rooms and you would fill up your like ghost hunter log right and, and just record the events and kind of experience it like the game would be more of an experience than it was a challenge per se yeah but, but you could still like fill up your diary and at the end you would like have your like full you know list of experiences and right? this would be really cool because you could take real stories and do like a quick uh like video of, of that story with like black with like the black and white photos so that person can have an idea of what a story is behind on the floor or that room and record those events. Can you imagine both of these horror games in VR? Oh, that'd be awesome. With with 3D headphones? It just Yeah, like, let's say you walk into this room and experience the event yourself and then it, like, the game goes into, like, a cutscene where it, like, plays 
a clip from the real sanatorium or like actual audio that was you know supposedly recorded there like that would be so cool and so chilling right right and that's that's my dream game and I don't know how the the legal licensing would work out with the thing. You might not be able to call it that, but you could maybe like, you know, mm-hmm. you could maybe fake it. But or you could just release it for free, and then they really probably couldn't say anything, I guess. Um, but it would be awesome if somebody ever wants to make that game. That's a freebie idea. I would like it if you at least like mentioned me, you know, for giving the idea or right. like included me in it, so I could like be part of that process. But, you know, even still, I would love to play it. Me too. That sounds (laughs) a lot like my idea. That seems like just right up what my game uh, dream game would be too. Lily and I have talked about doing a road trip to the Waverly Hills Sanatorium. Like, would would you want to go if we went on a road trip? Would you want to check that out in person? If we could. Like, I don't know. Do they allow, like, visits to that? or? I think so. Uh, Lily and I went to the Bliska Axe Murder House back in October. Okay. And let me tell you about that one. So, even though I don't necessarily believe in ghosts, you still have the thought of that activity, uh, in your head, in the back of your head, you know? Uh, and so, when we walked in, uh, there, there, there's, there's a building uh, where you go and pay for the tickets, and there's pictures of supposedly apparitions caught, people being uh, scratched and grabbed and everything. And so that didn't really help my, my mental state when going into the house, because as soon as I stepped into that house, I just felt this overwhelming uh, sense of sadness in the house and felt, felt like someone was, was watching me. Now, granted, when I think about it, it was probably nothing. It was probably just the story... Like, I've heard about the stories and activity for years before visiting the house in person, so that's probably what I was thinking. But I didn't want to go upstairs. Lily didn't want to go into uh, to a, to one of the kids' rooms. But it was very bizarre hmm. to be in that house where six people were murdered in cold blood. Yeah. And so it's... There's some darkness attached to that, you know? And so... But yeah. What I would like to do, I actually thought about this the other day. I was watching this uh, mockumentary, basically. Well, mockumentary. I don't know what you want to call it. It was a fake found footage. That was right. Film. Uh, mockumentary. That yeah. sounds about right. Um, and it was about a uh, a um, I want to say maybe like a tuberculosis ward or something in. No, it was an asylum. I think in uh, Korea. I was watching it. Oh, jeez. It was, it was, oh, it's a good one if you want to watch it. It was creepy, and that movie got me. Obviously all fake, but really, like, really creepy. I'll have to find it. Wait, what was it called? I think Lily and I came across it when we were trying to find a horror movie a couple weeks ago. Oh, really? What was it called? I, I have to look it up. I don't okay. remember the name. Um, But it gave me this idea of, wouldn't it be cool to um start this YouTube channel? And literally what you do is you... Go for, I don't know, one once a year or maybe twice a year, you and your friends pack up and go to one haunted place in the United States and just record for an entire day. Just your experience. Just record. And then for an entire week, you kind of go and you check out the place, kind of slowly take your time. I don't know how long you spend there each time, but, you know, enough. And then just like throughout the year, just slowly release clips online of your experience. You know, don't dump like seven hours at once, but like, you know, put a 30 minute video here and there, kind of edit it, you know, to, you know, cut out boringness. Right. And that would be kind of a fun thing to do. I'm not trying to get rich or famous off it, but it'd be fun to share that experience and to actually go and do that with a friend once or twice a year. Mm hmm. And don't spend a ton of money. Just go there. You'd pay probably, you know, for a hotel for a week or whatever. And, uh, yeah. Right. Fun. Yeah, I'm down for that. So, back to my idea. Like, uh, I tried making this a board game. I tried making it an R- RPG. So, I-, I can't really figure out how I would execute it. Maybe I, I limited my- myself with the world I built. But, for the longest time, I called it... Well, 
I call it aquaphobia, but it started off as a joke um, called Battle Whales. Okay. And we we were sitting in a uh, like senior seminar, uh, me and my friend Brian, and we were thinking about and Brian. Brian kind of had a uh, I love I love him, but he kind of had a tendency to kind of go on tangents where he would think of like this random stuff and he was like i kind of want to ride a whale it might be kind of fun <laughs> so and we started thinking it's like you know that does sound fun what if you could attach weapons to it <laughs> it's like it just oh like like a battle whale and we started coming up with all these ideas like what weapons would work underwater and everything and it kind of just kind of blossomed into this game called aquaphobia to where you know your your typical polar ice caps melts and everything, uh, uh, the the coasts are mostly underwater except for tall buildings. People have uh, built scaffoldings across across the buildings and start start civilization, and but a lot of people mostly moved into the midwestern countries, the higher elevations, to where the uh, ocean couldn't reach it, and so, but. So scientists have built are built in this world build something called uh, arcologies, to where they're if you're not familiar with arcologies, it was it's a, basically a scientific concept to where it's its own dedicated um, man-made environment, and so it's it's been a concept for quite some time. So they create these arcologies, and because and so they genetically modify creatures uh, for these um, arcologies. In order to create like a uh, stable ecosystem, so they can like grow food, have fresh water, have fresh meat, because all these resources are, are low in this in in this world, and of course all that goes awry because of the genetic modification that their evolu- evolutionary or the evolution of these animals have gone crazy, and so now, um, the point of the game is that you're you are tasked with going to these arcologies these dangerous arcologies some some are habitable but they don't have as as good as resources as these really dangerous ones and so the idea is that you are you are tasked with a team or by yourself to go onto one of these islands and gather resources sometimes you are tasked to gather food or a certain type of meat sometimes you're you're tasked to uh, collect water, or it could be s- something as simple as samples for science. But these arcolis are extraordinarily dense, uh, foliage-wise, and extraordinarily dangerous. Like, we're talking about spiders the size of this table that we're on right here, hmm. and and all these creatures are based off real real creatures, or all these creatures are based off real real world animals. Where the spider that I thought of was from the uh, Ulabora family of spiders to where they don't have venom these type of spiders but what they do is that they just keep wrapping their prey in uh, webbing and until uh, the pressure of the webs basically crushes them down to a liquid it's basically like a trash compactor oh jeez and imagining that for a human just would be fucking terrifying and then you like your team like one person gets caught and they start getting wrapped up and your health starts going down faster mm. and faster as as you get wrapped up and your team having to work together to to get this thing off of you and then cut then cut the web out yeah it's just i always thought that'd be such a really cool concept for a game and i've i've tried i've tried to make it like a tabletop rpg i tried to make it into a board game i just think a game is the only way this can be realized yeah is and you can have like futuristic weapons or or not or not and uh the key and i kind of played with this mechanic i'm not quite sure how this would how i would execute this but because metal and everything is so scarce the less ammo that you use the higher return uh you would get and so you would have to it encourages creativity there there are projectile weapons they just don't use metal but it kind of runs towards like your caseless cartridges, like they don't do as much damage as 
regular ammo. It's kind of like that mechanic in the Metro games to where there's dirty ammo and clean ammo. Yeah. And kind of like that. But I always thought that would be kind of a really cool concept. I, I've been kind of having an itch for, like, super visceral creatures that will just tear you limb from limb, are super fast, great sound design, and just I always thought that would be really cool. Yeah, that seems pretty interesting. Yeah. So that's just, that's just one of my dream games. Uh, do you have any other dream games, Connor? Uh, not off the top of my head. That kind of – those – those games would be, if they could ever come to light, that would be so sweet. Give me all my money. <laughs> all right, so what's the next topic here, Connor? Um, I think, briefly, I would like to talk about Satisfactory, which is a game I've been playing. I know that I said I haven't played like a ton of games, but I think it's uh, an important game to talk about. I think it's pretty popular right now. It's an early access game, and... When I first started this game, I was not very into it, but as I played, it had the same addictiveness as Civ does for me. Okay. Um, you start out on this alien planet, you are, it's a co-op game, and you start by mining resources. You start by mining iron, copper, limestone, um, and as you mine you can craft those things into a little base. And then once you build a base, you can build like a workbench. And so you can build more things. And then you can build mining equipment mm -hmm. that mines the material for you. And you can build conveyor belts. And you can build smelters. And you can build all these sorts of automations. So as you go, you hit these milestones in the game that unlock more things for you to do more equipment, more resources, more uh, you know schematics to make different things. And I played probably four hours in a row of it once I got going. And, and David and I wow. were playing it together, and it was so, so addictive. Like, you know, let, you don't even think about it until you're in the game. And let's say um, one of our milestones required 100 iron sheets or whatever, right? And I'm sitting there, and I'm I'm crafting those. I was like, man, wouldn't it be awesome if we had another source of iron? You know, maybe we could automate that and bring it to this box in front of me. And then so Dave was like, yeah, let me go. Uh, I'll set up another drill thing with some conveyor belts, and we'll put a box in front of you, and we'll just do that. And so as you're trying to hit these milestones, in the process, you're making it easier for yourself. You're like, oh, shoot, I need a bunch of copper wire for this. And, uh, you know, we have a ton of copper iron coming, you know, from that mine over there. But, you know, it, it takes too many steps to get it to wire. You know, you got to make it into to tubing first and then you got to make it into to wire. You know, that's that's kind of a struggle. So what if we had a, a machine that that made it into the tubing first? So all I had to do is make it into the wire. OK, yeah, well, let's set that up. You know, let's make that part it's of possible the to do that. Chain. Yeah. And so like any automation you can think of in the game you can theoretically set that up and you know the machines run off of uh fuel at first right uh so in the, in the fuel is like leaves and wood and stuff that you're burning to to create this and you can find more efficient fuel so you're not having to load that up in there you know you can create what's called biofuel um from the leaves and stuff like that and it that burns slower and i could just i i've honestly like I, I've been dying to get back and, and, and play that again. It sounds such, awesome. I, I guarantee when you first, if you start this game, when you first play it, you'll be like, eh, this is kind of lame. Until you build your first, like, automated process. And then you're like, oh, this is nice. Okay, all right. And then you, you want to do more and more. And then you'll notice, like, like one thing that we ran into was we were, like, bringing um, iron in smelting it and turning it into iron bricks on the way in mm -hmm. and the process started backing up we were pulling it in faster than we could convert it and it's like all right well what if we had it divert off into two paths and so half of it goes to this smelter half of it goes to this one and the iron bricks just keep coming nice and they go into the same box again and so you know it's like all this stuff is just it's really 
it, it, I don't know. It scratches an itch on you. And you're just like, yes, I have to keep automating that is awesome. things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely worth your time. Cool. That sounds interesting. So what's next here? Uh, I feel like you can talk about your uh, Switch Lite uh, case that you got right. going on there. Okay. So for those who for those who are aware or may not be aware, uh, I have a issue with playing certain games on my Switch Lite. Um, I do have a Switch Lite. I don't have a fat Switch. And so there are times where like, if I'm playing that's like a shooter or whatever, uh, holding the Switch Lite is really difficult when playing these shooters. I don't feel like I have a lot of control over it with uh, playing a first-person shooter. So I have my Switch here in front of me. Uh, for, for example, Bioshock. So right now, I'm, I'm playing Bioshock right now. I'm going to turn up my, the sound here so there's proof. And not, not, nothing's happening right now, but walking forward and then turning, I kind of feel like I don't have a lot of control. So, and... I was trying to figure out how I can make this better. And for a while, my my go-to was uh, the Pro Controller. Here's the problem with the Pro Controller, though. Playing the Pro Controller on a Switch hurts after a while because you can't put it up on a bigger TV. So I, I'd be, like, hunched over on my couch with my Pro Controller trying to get a closer look on the screen. And, like, this is this is a horrible way to play. And so uh, I did decide to do some research, and I found something. And I'm playing right now. Yeah, I feel like I'm not. I'm not having a lot of control here, um, even with this uh, melee. So I came across this thing called the Skull. And, like I forgot what the actual thing is called, but uh, Skull and Co. Um, Pro Grip. So basically, what this is is it's a shell. It's a, it's a protective case that the Switch comes in, but you can change the size of the grips here. And they, they come in three sizes. One, I, I don't know the actual names for them, but you have kind of small ones that kind of just make the, make the back a little bit bigger. And then you have one, one size up. They're about the same size as Pro, as pro Controller. Grips. And the one that's one size up has kind of like a trigger shape to it. Yeah, and it's not that bad. But the big, and the big one, the big one is is where it's at here. And so try to put do this in the dark here. It's, it's this is really kind of hard to explain because it's one of those things where you just have to experience. But if you're having the same issue as me as like just playing shooters on the Switch Lite or or just in general because the uh, Switch Lite is pretty thin. Um so now I so now I have the the bigger one in and instantly instantly I I can feel a difference here. All of a sudden, I have uh, more control over what I'm doing, and it just completely changed how I play first-person shooters. Now I don't feel like I'm over I'm overcorrecting when I'm aiming or anything. So this is this is actually really kind of hard hard to explain. It so, looks like just like a one of the clear like Corey cases that you would buy for a Switch Lite. But the difference is. You have these kind of harder plastic uh, grips that you can slide into it, and that you, you can get them to kind of match your system. Like, for instance, I saw yours and I was holding it for a while, and I ended up ordering a set for mine, which I was happy they had one for the uh, the uh, Pokemon Sword and Shield Switch that matches that too. Um, but it does; it gives for people with larger hands, uh, like like Kale and I here. Yep. Um, it's nice because it gives you something to hold on to, so your fingers aren't like arched in like a weird position. Uh-huh. And I, I 100% feel the same way. Uh, the only games I can really like play on my Switch Lite um, is probably Pokemon, because I, I think that's a that's a decent yeah. enough game where you don't really need that. But I wouldn't want to play a shooter on it. Yeah. So to make things a bit more clear here, because I was I was playing Bioshock as it was going on, trying to explain and. I obviously can't multitask. My biggest problem with the Switch is the first-person shooters in it. I, I do love my first-person shooters. It's just playing first-person shooters in handheld mode, I don't think that's what the Switch was designed to do. And so you have this problem to where, as Connor mentioned, your hands are almost cramped trying to uh, control with your typical first-person shooter controls. 
it turns me off from wanting to play shooters that I really want to play because of how the Switch is designed. Um, it's a little bit better on the Fat Switch because the Fat Switch is a little bit larger, but the Switch Lite is definitely not. So me playing like Immortal Redneck, I couldn't get into it because I couldn't. I felt like I couldn't aim because of the thumbsticks and and how and how it's designed. I had to turn uh, even with auto aim. I, I I couldn't do it. Yeah. Um, the only game I felt like I could play that didn't really make much of a difference was like Astral Chain yeah. or um, God Eater, uh, Pokemon. Like so, like basically the the Nintendo exclusive games. Yeah, everything else I couldn't do. Like when I was playing uh, Red Faction Gorilla, I had to play it on a pro on a pro controller. Now with with the biggest grips here. I can play it just fine, but I won't play Red Faction Gorilla because I don't like that game very much. So, <laughs> yeah. But yeah. So the cool thing is, is that it does come with three sizes, and it comes with a fancy case that's big enough to accommodate any size grip that you choose. Um, I picked this up for about forty dollars on Amazon. Uh, that included a case too. Included a case. Yeah, that's like a like a hard shell case that the actual switch with the outer case goes into yeah and the clear case that comes in uh, it does cover the uh the zr or the r or the z's and the r oh my gosh zr zl thank you <laughs> um and it makes it it actually makes them a little bit larger too uh these buttons which is good uh connor wasn't too crazy about it at first like he felt like they were a little mushy but after pl- playing with it for a little bit it's not that bad yeah, I, I think for me it takes some of the clickiness away from it. It makes them a little like, yeah. I mean, it's not terrible by any means. It was enough. It didn't deter me from wanting to buy it. I'll say that. But it, it yeah. wasn't ideal. I don't know why they covered those buttons. I don't know. I, I Again, I think it's just to make them a little bit larger to kind of, again, accommodate for the for the longer Maybe the so. Longer ones. But this is so comfortable. Like, the first time I handed it to Connor, he was like, okay, I'm already sold. <laughs> Yeah, I had to get one. I was like, yes. <laughs> and if you just want the case uh, without the uh, outer like hard shell case, I think it was only like 20 bucks on Amazon. Yeah, I, I'm just feeling a massive difference in playing Bioshock on on the Switch, which I'm, I'm so glad Bioshock is on the Switch. I, Bioshock is one of my favorite games of all time. Caveat being, I wish it was actually on the cartridge. Yeah, yeah. Ooh. I wish it wasn't a download. <laughs> I think the first game is, but the second and Infinite, which we won't mention Infinite. I hate Infinite. You hate Infinite? I don't like it either, but I'm surprised you said that. Um, It's because it is such a massive downgrade to what Bioshock is. I would agree with you. Um, The, the story's good. Don't get me wrong. There are some good things. Uh, Troy Baker as Booker is good. I, I, I like anything Troy Baker's in. But it went from... A game to where you would go into an arena and you had a choice to how you want to approach it to basically a Halo-like game. You only hold two weapons. You had a shield that recharged and health. For some reason, the only way you can gain health is eat trash hot dogs. It's literally eat out of the garbage. It just it felt like a massive down, downgrade. Yeah, and I think maybe it's just the environment. But I feel like they took some of the horror elements of it out yeah. that you had in the first two games. Mm-hmm. So, and I I like the second game a lot. I love Bioshock 1 and 2. I haven't played them in ages. I need to play the, yeah. the remasters they did. But. Uh, I like the second game a lot. A lot of people don't seem to like the second game as much as the first one. Um, I like the second game almost as much as the first one. Because I feel like it it deepens the story of Rapture a little bit more. I like some of the mechanics it introduced, too. Yeah. Supposedly, there's a new Bioshock game in the works. Um, I would like to see what they would do. But uh, it's just one of those things where, like, the Big Daddy is one of the most iconic game. Not really. I guess in terms of story, he's not really a creature. I, he, he is kind of creature-fied. He's an enemy. Yeah. He's one of the most iconic enemy, enemies in games. And... They tried doing that, doing that with like the handyman in um, Infinite and the Songbird. Songbird was such a missed opportunity. Um, apparently, so in some of the earlier games, like 
if if you want to be depressed, I actually learned this through another podcast. If you want to be depressed, you need to read up what previous uh, renditions of Bioshock Infinite was going to be. Hmm. There's a better game in there. Songbird was supposed to be um, a cre- a person or a uh, enemy that you would fight multiple times throughout the game. That sounds so much better than so- Songbird basically being nothing. The only the only thing that happened is is he was featured in cutscenes and you got to finally use him in the terrible, fucking terrible ending sequence, which is just basically a wave shooter. Oh. Mm. It's just ah, uh, Ken Levine. People, you're, you're doing so good, man. People will give that game a nine and a ten out of ten. That's, that's like the a, weird part. I didn't feel that way about it's it. It's like a four for me. I, I never finished it because I didn't. I you didn't got like bored it that much. Yeah, that's so boring. I got bored within the first few hours, and I was like, "Yeah, no." <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but Bioshock One, amazing. Bioshock Two, amazing. Bioshock Infinite, yeah. Just skip over it, which is probably an unpopular opinion, but whatever. Well, uh, I'll tell you what is it. Okay, okay, guys. If you think you're you're triggered from me saying I uh, I hate Bioshock Infinite, get ready for this. You ready? Okay. I'm about to trigger you. I think Last of Us Two is one of the greatest games ever made. Oh no, no, I agree. It is one of the greatest games ever made, and story is amazing, gameplay is amazing, graphics are amazing. Abby is amazing. I'm saying it. Abby is an amazing character. She's a very strong, deep character i've said it fight me <laughs> mic drop no, no i 100 percent agree with you i don't want to go like too deep into it because i feel like it's beating a dead horse at this point but um i i think that game did great things and i think a lot of people didn't really understand or are trying to come up with reasons why it doesn't make sense when it does make sense um but that's that's a topic for another podcast. Sometime I, I want to do a Last of Us in retrospect like episode where we play both these games and then we come together and we just discuss it. Okay. All right. So. All right. Um, one thing I do want to get into because I mentioned it in the last podcast and I said that we would get to this. Um, scalping. Yes. I want to talk about the awful scalping that has been happening. I honestly think it intensified during the in, the lockdown last year. Yes, because um, I definitely remember during the lockdown, Switch sales skyrocketed. There was a lot of demand yep. for Switch first. You've only Switches. recently been able to get Switches now. Yeah, it was. I was really so shocked. Long. I went to Target the other day to pick up a few things, and I was wearing my mask. Calm down. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, like we're there's a lot of shit going on. Um. And I was like, okay, there's like five switch lights and like three fat switches. Yeah. And I was like, whoa. I don't know if it was because of the PS5 and the Xbox Series X, but I I was really surprised. I think they've just been restocking enough where they finally like caught up to the demand um, and scalpers have kind of lost interest in those. Over the newer consoles. Yeah, there was a time last year where Switches were going for almost double retail, uh, if not more. And that's ridiculous. Um, And then what people started scalping after that, or maybe during that, and this has kind of been going on for years, but it's it's intensified, uh, is graphics cards. Yep. It's so bad now that a graphics card that I paid for, which is about one and a half generations behind, it's a, it's a 20 series graphics card. It's not uh-huh. 20... Uh, S or um, uh, or a uh, 30 series. My graphics card I paid $400 for. It is now worth over $1,200 and that's used because of scalpers just you know buying up every one of these 30 series GPUs and now it's got so bad they've bought up so many of the 20 series, the 20 supers, even the 10 series that there are some 10 series graphics cards that are going for well over double retail because of this now. Yeah. And I, I'm seeing a lot of that stuff on Facebook to where someone has either a graphics card or a PS5 or Series X, and they're selling it for like eight, $900. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's 
better than the twelve thirteen hundred dollars that they're going for. And the thing is that's bothering me is that people are defending this on Facebook. Defending what specifically? Uh, the scalping. Oh, it's just like it's like people are saying, "No, this is ridiculous. I'm not paying eight hundred dollars for a five hundred dollar console." And people respond to this, "Well, he's got to make a profit somehow." I I hate the argument that I always see in this supply and demand, supply and demand. It's not supply and demand. The reason why it's supply and demand is because you keep fucking buying it all out. It's artificial supply and demand is exactly. what you're doing. There is potentially, I, I don't know for sure, there's potentially enough units produced to satisfy the people who actually want it. But when somebody comes in and buys well more than they're going to use with the intent of you know charging people out the ass for them, you're jacking up the demand on it. Because you're buying up everything. Exactly. And it's and here's this is the thing. It in today's uh modern world, a lot of these scalpers are starting to use AI bots that yes. automatically buy them as soon as as soon as they become available. And this is becoming a big problem. Yeah. To the point where I think there's I think some are some countries starting some legislation about to try to stop this? Or I don't know. I know. If, some... if so, there there needs to be something like the FCC or something. Something needs to be done to, at the very least, slow this down. There's okay. So places like eBay, they don't enforce this. They don't enforce it. But EA or uh, eBay is supposed to not allow people to sell pre-orders of items at like scalped price so like let's say for instance a good example is the new nintendo switch joy cons for the legend of zelda that are coming out people are already posting those on ebay for 170 plus dollars and the product is not in hand and will not be for a while and that's technically against ebay's terms of service but you know supply and demand yeah supply and demand you hear that right and then so, let's say when the new consoles came out, people are still, to this day, struggling to get those. I've seen the Xbox series come a little bit in stock here and there, but it seems like it's almost instantaneous when the PS5 comes in stock, it's gone. Yeah. And there's still a lot of people who are complaining about not being able to get one. And I bet if you didn't have a bunch of assholes with a stack of 10 of them sitting in their garage, you would have more for the rest of the people to have. Yeah. And here's the really shitty part. I didn't know what was happening for a while. It, it took a little bit of a delay for me to notice. But I noticed about a month or so ago, I think, I walked into Target, and I just happened... I Every time I go there, I kind of look at the Pokemon cards. Every once in a while, I'll grab a, a pack or a box of them. Um, I don't buy every single one. I just kind of try to you know collect here and there. Especially if there's a sale, and their entire Pokemon section was just empty, like empty shelves, and I was like, "Huh, that's weird. Maybe you know they just sold down." Came back the next time, same way. Thought it was weird. Went to a GameStop, all the cards are gone. Went to a few other retailers, all the cards are gone. So now the hot thing to do. And I, I've confirmed this by going out to uh, places like Amazon and stuff to look. The hot thing to do is buy and scout Pokemon cards now. Um, I noticed this because I went out to Amazon and the cost of like deck boxes, um, booster boxes, individual packs is almost, in some places, four to five times retail price. And this isn't just, I don't understand why it's this way. But it's not just the new Pokemon cards. I've noticed it's the ones from older sets, too, that they're scalping like crazy. Really? I don't think there's a single pack out there. Of, doesn't matter the generation that you can get at retail price right now. Oh, my gosh. That's insane to me. Like, and, and it kind of goes back to the previous conversation I have. This is the 25th anniversary of Pokemon. People are going to want these cards, and assholes are taking advantage of the situation. 
and it's ridiculous. Yeah. So that's my tirade about this. I'm pissed at scalpers, and I really just want it to stop. Yeah. Do you know why I want else to stop? My fucking boom to not fall off. You've been struggling with your uh, microphone for a while now. I don't know. Yeah. What you did. did you bump like, it or I, something? I, 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 what? Did you bump it or something? I guess. I'm 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 sorry to kind of derail the conversation, but I went to go adjust it and the thing almost falls off. So now I'm holding my mic. So but um it's kind of funny because uh going back to scalpers, there was there was a recent story to where they did something and all of a sudden they started playing the pity card, like as if like they won't be able to put food on the table because they can't rip people off. Yeah, no. If those people have enough money to buy up multiples of a product, then they have enough money to buy the essentials they need. Right. I mean, uh, you're not going to a store and buying up $500 worth of Pokemon cards because you don't have any money. That's not how that works. No. And, and if that, if that is what you're doing, like you're being you very is the risky. reason why that there's a limit right now. And and even then you'll you'll use your stupid fucking AI bot to uh work around that. Yeah, it's Yeah, I, I don't know what the solution is. Other than legislation, but can't I don't think I I can't think of a reason or how they would be able to enforce that. It would be on the like reselling websites to do it. Uh, they here's a theory on something they could do you know if they put a um legislation in place that said you know websites resell websites cannot allow somebody to price an item at um x percentage above retail price until x amount of time has passed um because there are certainly items that like they're they're collector item like video games and stuff like that that are, you know, 10, 15 years old that are obviously going to be more than retail price if you want right. to buy it. But that makes sense. It's a collector's item. It's not being produced anymore. And it's been, you know, it was available at retail price at one point. But I don't know how I feel about this. But I don't know if they'd be able to enforce it. I mean, there are rules out there on Facebook where you can't sell firearms. And what people do is they'll take a picture of a pencil with a firearm in the background and say, pencil, $500. Like, people are wily, and they get around that shit in some way or another. They would probably, like, go on eBay, post a picture of a PS5, and then have also, like, in front of it some other item and be like, this item, $1,000 or whatever, right? And and sell the PS5. Yeah, they, they kind of did something like that during Prohibition. They would sell a ticket to like a chicken fight but the ticket would have would come with a free glass of rum now mm-hmm. you could now for those who don't realize prohibition didn't mean they banned alcohol you could still have alcohol you just couldn't sell alcohol yeah. so that wasn't technically breaking the law being in possession was of alcohol wasn't breaking the law selling it so it's kind of doing the same thing with uh playstations right now yeah it's i don't know what the solution is but something needs to give i don't know maybe companies can like break these scalpers down by just like overproducing for a while saturate the market like no other and leave these people with you know thousands of dollars of debt because of you know, buying too much of this inventory, it would kind of stick it to them. I wouldn't feel bad for them. No, and the thing is, they're kind of taking advantage of the pandemic a little bit because because these factories can't have uh, full capacity. So yeah, uh, supply is low as a result. And I I think if we weren't in a pandemic, we wouldn't really have this issue. Oh, I I would hundred percent agree. I think people have very much so taken advantage of it. I mean. A good example, I mentioned the Pokemon cards. The 20th anniversary was not that long ago, and I tried collecting a lot of the 20th anniversary Pokemon merch. I think I was able to get what I wanted, especially the cards. I was able to get quite a few packs from that generation, 
So I don't know. I, I think it has to be the the pandemic. They're probably producing less and people are taking advantage of that, which is disgusting. You know? Yeah. Let people buy the things that they that make them happy. Quit being assholes and making everybody miserable and either A, not be able to afford it, B, not be able to find it, or C, have to overpay for something. Ugh. Yeah. Disgusting. Scalpers, you're terrible. You are the you are literally the worst. You probably don't care though, because you already have a low enough moral compass that you probably don't have any empathy anyway to care. But whatever. Um now to move on to something a little bit more interesting and probably I guess maybe might be our final topic for tonight. Yeah, it's getting late. Uh the Switch Pro rumors. What do you think about those, Kale? Uh, I'm excited. Uh I I remember uh us having a conversation about that not too long ago, how we we talked about the rumors and we thought that'd be really cool for a, a switch to have 4K capabilities. Uh, of course, our conversation was the handheld being able to do uh, 1080 and then dock doing a 4K, and it almost looks like it's coming to fruition to do that. Uh, cause we I, we were like playing Godfall or something, and you said that you have a tendency to uh choose your PS5 when it comes to multi-console because uh, you just get better resolution and better performance that way. Yeah. But now with the rumors of a Switch being able to have that amount of power, uh, especially with Sony's uh, censorship policy, that's... Yeah, I think it's it's narrowing that gap that was... So when the, the PS4 was out, or it still is technically, you know, the PS4 was the primary Sony console, and the Nintendo Switch were out at the same time, I would tend, if it was multi-platform, most of the time I would lean towards Switch because you have the option of playing it on your TV right. or playing it handheld, unless they offered some sort of like cool features with the PS4 version. If it was something that it didn't really... Graphics weren't the selling point of that game, right? Yeah. And now, the, the divide is so large, and I'm, I've probably said this before, but the divide is so large that it doesn't the same value proposition isn't there. If I can play something at 4K 60 or I have to play something at maybe like 1080, 30, or 60, right? it's a pretty big difference. But if the Switch could do like 4K 30 and the PS5 can do 4K 60, I might tend to lean back towards the handheld version again just for the option of being able to play it in handheld and docked. Right. And supposedly like the screen's going to be bigger. Yeah. Um, and with OLED capabilities, yeah, and so I'm I'm kind of excited to see how it goes. I'm kind of worried about what battery life is going to be like. They said the battery life would be better, good because of um, gosh, I can't remember lithium. what it was. Not lithium, nuclear. I think that the hardware in it and the OLED screen use less power. Um, what I would be concerned about is. And I mentioned this to you offline, but that the all the peripherals I would like to work with it. Um, like right. If the Joy Cons don't work with it, and you got to buy all new controllers, that would suck. Yeah. I don't know how they're going to do it with the screen being bigger, but maybe, maybe the, I don't know, maybe the 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 new system would still fit the the joy cons on it i don't know or maybe they release like a a joy con pro or whatever because with the wiimotes they released um an updated version of those at one, one point with a wii motion plus uh-huh so maybe i don't know my guess would probably it wouldn't be available at launch but eventually it'd probably be like a software update to where they'll include it yeah because what, what they'll want to do is push for uh, new peripherals. But uh, Nintendo's kind of can be really good, but kind of be kind of shit at the same time. Like, they, they, they know how to make good games. They, their, their philosophy of making games is how can we make a, a game that's just fun, but on their business aspect can be hit or miss. Like, the whole thing where you can't stream... Nintendo games, when streaming has now become one of the biggest selling points in, in games now, and the fact that 
almost none of their games ever drop or first party games never drop below sixty dollars. It's, it's always at sixty dollars. Yeah, they're they're so. evergreen. I believe is what they call them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know if I'd buy one right off the bat. I might. I might if the price is reasonable. Yeah, I think if they they came in at this one at like maybe around the three fifty four hundred. I was going to guess three fifty. And then they dropped the price of the the base model one. Um, that would be good. I think I would want to be an adopter on it because, and you mentioned this to me earlier, that you thought that there would be some games that are uh, exclusive to the pro version, which there might be. I just think it would end up being a very, very small fraction of the games would be pro exclusive. Kind of yeah. like with the, the Nintendo 3DS and the new Nintendo 3DS. There was only a handful of games that actually were exclusive to the newer model. Uh-huh. But maybe more graphically intensive games. Like if they brought Cyberpunk to Switch, maybe it would have to be on the Pro. That would be kind of cool uh, if they fixed the problems first. Yeah, yeah. Let's fix it on the other platforms first and then try to port right, it. Right, <laughs> right. So, uh, but other than that, I'm I'm just about burned out, dude. Yeah, I'm pretty low on energy. We've been recording for quite a while. Yeah, I've been recording since almost seven, and my fiance is texting me saying, "Hey, are you almost done recording?" I'm like, "Yeah, sure," because <laughs> I still got a three-hour drive to do. So nice. But I always listen to new music. A date remembers new music. Crank it up, bro. Crank it up, bro. And now just about do it. So we will see you guys next time. See ya.